I'll rise up. I'll rise like the day. I'll rise up. I'll rise unafraid. I'll rise up. Here's the line, in spite of the ache. And that's where we get stuck. What I found is that pain pauses things. And we get stuck. Every time that life beats us down, we can stay down or we can get back up. We can rise up. Every time we are betrayed or disappointed, others fail us or we fail others. When it feels like it's not even worth going on or living, through Christ, we, we can choose to rise up. Lifted up by his grace, our face and our posture, our perspective can be lifted even in the midst of our pain and in our suffering. Here's what Romans 8 says, verse 38 and 39. It says, for I am sure, everybody say sure. sure. I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. What do we do when we fall down? What do we do when we don't measure up? What do we do when we, when we fail? You've heard this story before, and I'm just gonna share it briefly because we're in the Olympic season, and I was reminded of as I was studying this week, and, and it's the 1968 Mexico City Games, the marathon, there was this runner from Tanzania. And unfortunately, he falls somewhere around the 19th mile, dislocates his knee, breaks his leg, separates his shoulder. He's laying there on the ground. All of the runners run and finish. They finish the race. But he, for whatever reason, just keeps going. And on the medal ceremony, they're playing the, the anthems and all the media's there. And then about an hour later, the winner finished at two hours and 25 minutes, which is really fast. If you've, that's, that's a really fast time. That's what I run the half marathon, two hours and 25 minutes. Let's just pause for just the spectacle that is some other humans. You know what I mean? Athletes in the Olympics. Have you seen the meme that says every Olympics, we should put one of us in there just to see how good they are? Like, I think that would be great. Like you and me, we just go run the 100. You know what I mean? And we're, we're just getting out of the blocks. I mean, like I'm still stretching and they're done. You know what I mean? Like I pulled a hammy five meters in Let's just go dive, you and me. Let's just go to off the, off the platform and just do a big cannonball and then we'll see how good they are. Anyways, two hours and 25 minutes. An hour and five minutes later is when this runner from Tanzania comes in and there's a crowd that, that gathers. The lights are off in the stadium. He's an hour past uh, the first place time. The interviewer comes up and says, why in the world? You, you are bleeding, you are bruised, your, your knee is dislocated. Why did you finish? He said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. And the enemy has convinced too many of us that when we fall, we fail. And that if we're not winning or if it doesn't look like we thought it should look, if it doesn't meet our expectations, then we should give up or we should quit. The world says give up. When we fall, when we're hurt, when we're injured, whether it be to our own choices or somebody else's choices, you should stop, you should slow down, you should give up. But the Word of God says that you are more than a conqueror. The Word of God says that we can rise up and, and keep going. Like in spite of the ache, in spite of the pain, that there is hope found in Jesus Christ. What I found through the gospel is that a lot of times ache, that, that ache that we feel when we fail, precedes the victory that comes in the cross. Like just think about Jesus on the cross, the pain, the ache, even the, the feeling of failure. 
How many Christians, how many Jesus followers for three years would have followed him and seen him there? They thought it ended there. It just began there. Think about it. They're like, we lost. He, he's coming to, to save us. They wanted him to, to, to rise up differently and, and overthrow the government. When he went through his most painful day, the world would have described that as a defeat. When it was the, the clearest picture of ache and pain preceding the greatest victory that's, that's ever been. We're gonna face tough times. You're gonna fall. That's true. That's true. John 16, 33. I've told you that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials. Everybody say many. many. Not just some. Many trials and sorrows, aches, falls. But it says, take heart because I have overcome the world. Falling and failure isn't fatal or final unless you, unless you quit. We will rise up. That's the good news. The bad news is, is we're gonna have lots of opportunities to do so. <laughs> like a thousand times again. That's not an overstatement. I'll rise up a thousand times again. You know why you're gonna need to rise up a thousand times again? Because you're gonna fall a thousand times. The question is not if we're gonna fall. The question is, what are we gonna do when we fall? Joshua chapter seven Joshua is leading uh, the people of Israel, God's chosen people, into the promised land. And he's taken over from Moses. Remember, Joshua was the number two uh, in command. Moses dies right before they enter the promised land. And Joshua takes them in. Joshua 1 is, is where God says, be strong and courageous, because he knows that even walking into the promises of God, you're gonna need some courage because there's gonna be battles. You're, you're gonna fall. You're gonna face uh, both victory and defeat. In Joshua chapter one, it says to Joshua, I'm gonna give you everywhere your feet, uh, to everywhere your feet are planted, it's gonna be the ground that you stand on, you will own as the promised land. Goes on again, say, be very strong, be very courageous. Joshua seven is right after Joshua six. You're like, I get that. <laughs> Joshua six, though, is the famous passage, the famous story of the battle of Jericho where they walked around uh, for a week. The last day they walked around seven times and the walls fell. The greatest victory that the people of Israel had had up until this point. But then we find Joshua 7, right after the greatest victory, we find their first great defeat. The first time they, they fall down. Have you ever noticed that? That when you, when you win, when you're successful, when you're on the mountaintop, it's amazing how many times in life you're your, your defeat comes right after your greatest victory. And I think that's a different sermon for a different day we could talk about. But Joshua chapter seven, they've just been defeated. We can go there. I'm gonna read out of the NLT, just a few verses. Let me give you some context on why they were defeated. God gave them very clear instructions on what to do with uh, what was left over in the battle of Jericho. And there was disobedience in the camp. There was sin in the camp. There was a, a family, a man uh, in one family who did not, Achan did not listen. He stole, he hid, he buried the things that God said to destroy or set apart just for me. And so they go into this next battle against this small enemy with no walls, with barely any army, and they're defeated because they didn't have God with them. Well, here's where we find Joshua. Here's Joshua's response to defeat. Here's Joshua's response to falling down. And I think we can get some simple yet profound encouragement from God today from Joshua chapter seven, verse seven through 14. It says, then Joshua cried out. So they've been defeated, they've lost. 
Joshua's feeling sorry for himself. I know that's none of you here at Action Church. There's no, there's no pity party for one here at Action Church. But Joshua and his buddies were having a pity party. So then Joshua cried out, oh, sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're gonna let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. This was a common theme throughout the people of Israel. When they're leaving Egypt in their exodus, every time they get in trouble, they're like, man, I wish I could just go back to how it used to be. Isn't it crazy how quickly we forget how it used to be? Like, we think, God, I, you know, you called me into this season. You called me into this ministry. You, you gave me this influence, and I face a little bit of backlash, a little bit of criticism. The business doesn't, has, a, has a tough quarter. I just need to go back to what I was doing over and over again. That is what the people of Israel do. They lose their faith, and they remember something different than it was. Before they crossed the Red Sea, the people of Egypt were like, take us back to, to Egypt. They were slaves for 400 years. Nobody wants to go back. Joshua, right here, the man of God, the leader, said, take me back to the other side. The other side was 40 years in the wilderness, eating manna every day. Like bread, that was before like low carb was a thing. Can you, what would have God fed them? I don't know what he would have fed them today. They would have been like, is this keto? I don't really know. Is this organic? Can you imagine the complaints? Do you have any gluten-free bread? Just wondered. You never wanted those things when you read? Like just what? No. Okay, great. Sorry. Back to Joshua. So we'll go to the other side. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. He's just, he's just feeling sorry for himself. He's making excuses. He's complaining. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? Now he's like, hey, I think he, I think he turned right there. You know what I mean? He's like, he's like, woe is me, woe is me. Now, what about you, God? Like, what, what's gonna happen to your name? I think he's trying to turn it around there, like he's trying to put it on God. But the Lord said to Joshua, get up. So Joshua is, is laying down. He's, let's go back to verse six. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothes in dismay, threw dust on their heads, and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord. So they're laying down, face down on the ground. God doesn't speak to his complaint, doesn't speak to what's going on, does not address anything. He says, get up. Why are you laying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And not only stolen them, but they've lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from the enemies in defeat. See, when you, when you don't have God on your side, we lose. Like they had God and they defeated a great enemy. They didn't have God and they lost to somebody they should never lose to. Why? Because God was not in it. It says, for now, Israel set, set, set itself up for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. Verse 13, he repeats it. Get up. So Joshua, after all that, still laying there. Come on, you can have somebody come in your life and encourage you. You can have a great time with God, and yet you're still on your face. I'm still on my face, just feeling sorry for myself. He's still there verses later. He says, get up and go lead. Command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, hidden among you, Israel, the things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. He says, get up. He says, rise up. Why are you on the ground? Have you ever uh, seen a, a child learning to walk? 
or like a, a, a calf that's just born. It's not, a, it's not a great, you know what I mean? It's, it's a little wobbly. Some of you, how many of you have ever seen a child learning, learning to walk, taught a child? How many of you have ever been a child and you learned to walk? Okay, it'll great, this, this illustration will work great. It doesn't go well at first, right? Like they, they fall a lot, like a lot. And at first, when they're first learning, they fall but because they're not ready. It's, it's their own mistakes. Like they don't put the foot in the right spot. And, and I wanna stop there for a second. The, one of the first ways you and I fall in life is our own mistakes. Like Achan fell here and, and brought destruction because of his own sin. So we have to acknowledge that sometimes we are where we are. We are in, in a season of, of failure. We are on the ground. We have fallen because we messed up. Like a, a child learning to walk, they're just not quite good at it. Their own mistake, their own misstep caused them to fall down. And we need to ask God in this season, how can we purify ourselves? How do we keep from falling? We ask God to remove the things in our life, the sin in our life, our own mistakes that are causing us to be on the ground. But when, it, when a child is learning to walk, there, is, there could be some, some other things that, that, that happen. There could be some circumstances. There could be some, some things on the ground. There could be some pets. There could be some, some different things that would cause the child to fall. Like once they kind of get it, maybe they're walking good and they come around a corner and they, they trip over an article of clothing on the floor. Or maybe they, have, uh, they don't see uh, the furniture coming around. Whatever the case may be, there are outside circumstances that would cause the child to fall. I need you to know there are some times in your life where you will be on the ground, you will have fallen, and it's not your fault. There are circumstances, there is pandemics, there is the economy. I lost my job, it wasn't my fault. They, they, they downsized, there was relationships that failed, that was not your fault. There are things in life that will cause you to fall down in grief or pain, and it wasn't your fault. You were doing everything you could do, just left foot, right foot, one step at a time, just like that little child learning to walk. It was not their fault. It was not their own mistake. It was outside circumstances that caused them to fall. Here's the third reason that we could fall. It's people. Come on, I remember my sister was learning to walk and, and everybody was like so excited. I was four, so just don't, don't, don't hate me too much. But I was, we had family over and they're like, oh, you're doing so good, yay. And I'm four years old, I'm like, what, I'm, what about me? What am I doing good? So I hit around the corner and she came around, she's smiling, just stuck out my leg, just boom. <laughs> Didn't see that coming, did you, Wit? Yeah, they weren't cheering for her anymore. No, I got spanked and it was, it was. There are some times where people are gonna cause you to fall. Abuse, trauma, harm. People will trip you up and you will find yourself in, uh, on the ground having a choice of what do I do when I fall, my own mistakes, my circumstances, or other people. Here's three things that we can find in this passage. How do we get up? How do we, how do we begin to change some things? Verse 14, it says, in the morning you must present yourselves by the tribes, and the Lord will point out the tribe to which the guilty man belongs. That tribe must come forward, and the people will point out the guilty clan. It talks about removing. It says he must remove the thing that was stolen. I wanna talk about three things we need to remove today if we're going to rise up. The first one is this. We need to remove the sin in our life. Amen. Remove the sin. Amen. I don't have to stay very long on that one. Just, like, just get rid of it. Ask God to reveal it 
and then remove it. Here's the next one, remove. This one's a little tougher, and I wanna talk about this in, in week five of this series. Remove the people that hurt you from a place of trust. Like set up some new boundaries. We're gonna talk about that. You need to remove some people from your life. Come back week five for the details. Here's the last one. Remove the control of circumstances. Remove the control of circumstances. We're gonna remove and we're gonna rise up. Here's three things I wanna give you. Songfest week two to rise up. To rise up, the first thing, write this down. Shift the focus from the problems around you to the power within you. Shift the focus from the problems around you to the power within you. You and I have an unbelievable power on the inside of us if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Like, I don't know how many of you were here. Uh, we had a, a full room, uh, an encounter night, Wednesday night, and a powerful time with God. And we talked about the theme of our 21 days of prayer, which if, if you've not been, we're still meeting for the next two weeks every morning, 6.30 a.m. at our permanent locations and 9 a.m. on Saturdays. And the idea is that revival is, is something that God wants to do, but that revival starts with me. And I wanna give you a two-minute recap because we had about 1,000 people on campus here on Wednesday night, but there'd be way more today in our Action Church locations. I believe that, that God is ushering in a, a spirit of revival for our church, but I believe that it's not this, this corporate thing until it's a personal thing. And we close the, the, the sermon, and I wanna give you this, and if you were there uh, at Encounter, just, just take two minutes and check Facebook or Instagram, whatever you need to do. I wanna give you the, the close of it, because I really believe the Spirit of God wants to do it, not just in the thousand people that were there, but in our whole church, that we need to take this idea that we need to quit focusing on the problems, and we need to press in to the power, and that starts with our own relationship with God. So you're in here today, and you need revival. And one of three ways you need it, you need a revelation of revival. Like if you're new to church, you need to realize that the problems around you do not control you. That you are not the sum total of what happens to you. You are the sum total of the decisions you make in response to it. And the only way in which to change that perspective is to have a revelation of the power of God in your own life that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead can live in you, and it gives us access to victory. It gives us the ability to rise up. You need to open the gift that is the revelation of revival. The second thing we talked about at Encounter Night was to get the power on the inside of us is you need a renewal of revival. Come on, some church people in here need a renewal of revival. You're just tired. Maybe you're at home right now worshiping online and you should be in the room. There's no reason for you not to be here. Now, there are a lot of great reasons for you not to be here, but some of you just need a renewal revival and realize the mission of Jesus is more important than your safety. Now, don't be irresponsible. Don't be negligent. Don't be ignorant, but be about the mission. You need a renewal of the purpose of God for your life that's bigger than what you're afraid of. You need a renewal. Talked about uh, encounter night. That this is like not not the gift. This is the smelling salts. Like we're gonna crack those open, wave them in front of our face. That the power of God. Like we're we are laying down on the ground, and the power of God is saying, "I've given you everything you need to rise up. Just just wake up. You're sleepy." The renewal. Here's the last one. We need a resurrection of revival. Some of us don't need a revelation or a renewal. We're not tired. Like we're we're pretty much dead. Come on, remember Princess Bride? Like they said, you're not really dead, they're just mostly dead. Remember that? Come on. Somebody's getting that right now to Oviedo. 
You're mostly dead and you need a, a resurrection of revival in your life. And that comes through constantly seeking the presence of God. That's why we do 21 days of prayer. That's why we have encounter nights. That's why we have our freedom group starting up. You need a revelation, a renewal, or a resurrection of revival because the power of God, catch this, the power of God is the only thing that will give you the ability to continually rise up from the places of defeat and failure in your life. Like we need a revival, a resurrection in our own life. Here's the second one, to rise up, to rise up, sometimes we need a hand up. Have you ever, you ever fallen? You ever fallen in such a way where you're just, you're just not gonna be able to get up on your own? Come on, like you're like in between like the couch or maybe you just had a little too much uh, food at Thanksgiving and it's just, you know, you, know, you, you need to you know, pop a button and you, know, you just sit down. You're like, I I'm not gonna get up. Like I'm gonna sit here. Ever gotten, ever gotten in, a, in a really comfortable like bean bag and you're like, oh no. <laughs> Ugh. Come on. Don't look at me. Kids are like, that's never happened. Just wait. Just wait. There will be an age. There will be an age or a wait, W-E-I-G-H-T, in which you're like, I, I'm gonna need some help. I can't get up from here. There are some times in your life, whether it be circumstances, your own sin, or other people, where you're gonna get knocked down in such a way where to rise up, you're gonna need a hand up. Like you can't do it on your own that the power of God is, is available and accessible and, and can do everything, but he's gonna use people because he knows you cannot walk through that season or that failure alone. Here's the line in the song. It says, you're broken down and tired of living a life on a merry-go-round. And isn't it true, like when we're in failure, when we're in depression, when we're in sadness, like it just feels like it just keeps repeating every single day. That's a powerful line. And you can't find the fighter. Like you've, you've lost, you've lost the will to fight. You've lost the, the power to fight, you've lost the, the courage to fight. But here's the next line, but I see it in you. So we, we are gonna walk it out. There are some things that you cannot get up from on your own. You're gonna need somebody to say, hey, I know you don't feel like fighting, but, but I see it in you. Like I see the power of God available. I see the purposes that he, that he has for you. Because all we need, all we need is hope. And for that, we have each other. Like, so when I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, when I don't see how we can get through this, when I don't understand what God could be doing, you need somebody to say, hey, I see it. Like, I see that you can get up. I see that God's not done. I see that, that he's trying to restore something or renew something. Like, come on, just, just one more time. Just, just numbers 274 and number 468. Thousand times again, like just every single time you fall down, think about a sports team. Basketball team, somebody gets fouled, the team rallies around and, and picks them back up. I believe that's what the body of Christ is supposed to do. Not look at people when they fall, not judge people when they fall, but help them get back to their feet. Thank you, Pastor Eddie. That's why we have each other. Week five, we're gonna talk about relationships. I mentioned that earlier, so I'm not gonna take too much time here. But we need, we need each other. To rise up, we, we need each other. We need a hand up. I wanna, I wanna pivot just for a second. We need a hand up to, to get up. At Action Church, when it comes to missions and outreach, we say we always offer a hand up, not a handout. Follow me for a second. You're on the ground, whether it be your circumstances, your, your uh, 
your access to education or your access to, to basic needs, both in, in our country and around the world. If you offer, follow me, if you offer somebody a hand out where they are, they may never get up from where they are. I'm just gonna give you this, and if I never require anything or, or challenge or link arms or go on the journey with you, here, here's something so I feel better, but the problem is nothing changes. So that's why we don't offer a hand out, we offer a hand up. Here is the need that I'm gonna meet, but I'm going to make sure that I am pulling you up and giving you resources and relationship and next steps. We need to offer hand up to people in outreach and missions, but we need to do that the same with our friendships and our relationships. Don't be an enabler, be an empower. I'm not gonna come and just feel sorry for you. I'm gonna meet you in your sorrow and I'm gonna pull you up into God's plan for your life. We're gonna need a, a hand up. I put there like the whole God's power that we were gonna clap, but no, don't do it. <laughs> Hand out leaves us in the same spot. Hand up leads to positive, long-lasting change. Here's the third one. To rise up, we must be surrendered, but not defeated. That, that sounds the same, but it's the posture that, that changes it there. To, to rise up, it sounds counterintuitive, like, like Joshua's laying down, he's, he's face down, he's defeated. And, and the, the, the problem was not his, his position, the, the problem was the posture of his heart. Because all throughout scripture, God calls us to, to, to be in a spirit of, of brokenness or repentance or surrender. It's not bad to, to, to bow down or to say, God, I don't know what to do. It's not bad to, to, to be surrendered but it's another thing to be defeated. It's a posture, it's not, it's not the position of Joshua, it's the posture of his heart. Unfortunately, we're gonna have a lot of opportunities to either get this right or get this wrong. In this world, you, you will have trouble. That means before we get to heaven, we're gonna have to go through some help. And if you're going through hell in your life right now, in your relationships, in your journey, for heaven's sake, don't stop there. That's what we do. Like, that's the tool of the enemy. Like, we're walking in this life and, and where somebody disappoints us or hurts us or causes us to trip and fall and, and we're in the middle of hell on earth and we trip and we fall and we, we're, we're down on maybe our knees or we're, we're, we're so depressed that we're just, we're just laying here like Joshua. We just, we're like, it's hot and it's awful and I just, I'm just gonna stay here. Just gonna lay here for a while. In my pain and my sorrow and feeling sorry for myself, my pity party for one, I'm just gonna lay here. The problem is we're laying in the middle of disaster, destruction and depression and anxiety. The enemy wants us to stay fallen because we're not, we're not much good to anybody or even ourselves in this in this position. 
the lyrics in the song say this. It says, when the silence isn't quiet. You ever been there before? That's the most powerful line in the song to me. When you're all by yourself and you're anxious and you're depressed and you're overwhelmed. When the silence isn't quiet anymore. When you can't get out of your own head. When you can't stop believing your, your own lies. And it feels like it's, it's hard to breathe. You've been there? The line says, I know you feel like dying. But I promise, I promise we'll take the world to its feet and, and move mountains. It says, I, I know you feel like dying. And the enemy would always convince us that nobody knows what you're going through. In your pain, in your bedroom, in your worst moments when you fall down and say, nobody understands. That church doesn't understand. A small group leader doesn't understand. Pastors don't understand. I mean, look, they've got it all together. No, I know. I know what it feels like to feel like that you're dying. I know. Like, I know what it feels like to be right here just, just searching for answers. There's no answers to be found in the middle of the pit. There's no answers to be found here, but I know what it's like to search for answers. I know what it's like to just lay here and make excuses why you don't need to get up. I've tried that before, Pastor. I'm not doing it again. Like I know what it's like for outside pressures and circumstances to be overwhelming. Come on, if you've got kids or a business or any responsibilities throughout this COVID season, you, you know what it's like to just wake up and say, I don't know what to do. What are you gonna do with masks? And what are you gonna do with social distancing? And what are you gonna do? I, I don't know. I know what it's like to be stuck here. I know what it's like when you've been there before. Somebody in this room, you've been betrayed by someone and then blamed for it and you just don't have any answers. Come on, somebody in your life has consistently lied to you or lied about you and you don't understand. I'm never gonna trust again because people let me down. So we just stay. Ashes on our head, feeling sorry for ourselves. When you're here today, I know what it's like to lose somebody close to you. I know what it's like to watch those closest to you struggle. All the reasons, we just stay right here. Just laying here overwhelmed, like Joshua. Problem is, you can't do much from here. At a certain point, and I'm about 30 seconds away. It's pretty awkward. <laughs> Why are you still laying down? <laughs> Here's the thing. If you've actually been in this spot that I just described, like I'm not talking about like you had a bad day. I'm talking about you had a bad season. I'm talking about you've, you've really struggled with something. You gotta be careful how you get up from here. You ever gotten up too fast and got real dizzy? The enemy wants to keep you here. But if he can't keep you here, he wants you to get up from here in the wrong way and keep doing what you were doing before because he knows you're just gonna get dizzy and be right back here. 
So there's this thing I was thinking about. It's, it's a step-by-step process. Like for me, the, the first step is to stop looking down at what I'm disappointed by and to turn my attention to God. So I just had this idea that you should just, I don't know, just roll over. Because from here, I'm looking up. And I don't understand, God, why I fell again. I don't understand why, why people hurt me. I don't understand why I made the same mistake. Come on, that's somebody in the room. You just keep doing the same dumb thing over and over again. Say, God, why? I gotta look up. I gotta look up before I get up. And then once I, I hear from God and I see a clear perspective and I hear how much he loves me and how much he, he cherishes me and he still wants to use me like me, like here on the ground, like you want to use me, then I begin to get the strength to like, to, to move, to roll over it. But get to right here first. Just sitting up. This feels better. I'm gonna look up and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit up. What that means is I, I'm gonna, before I, before I stand, I'm gonna need some rehab. I'm gonna need some counseling. I'm gonna need some, some rest. I'm gonna need some reflection. Like, how'd I get there? I'm not ready to get to where God has me, but I, I can't go back there. So I need to sit here for a little while. And we skip this step. God, heal me, I'm healed. And we start running again. No, you need some physical, th- you need some spiritual therapy. We gotta work some things out. We gotta sit here for a little bit. Rest and reflect, counsel, learn about why we got there. Then, from that place, we got our bearings, we can stand. And if you've been there too long, this could require some help. And that's why we have the local church. To stand again, you may need some help, some encouragement some strength. There's some tough decisions coming your way because now, now we got to take a step. We got to look up so we can get up, but once we rise up, we cannot stay here. God did not bring you from where he brought you from to keep you where you are. He brought you from that place to use you going forward. So this, this after we rise up, it's a step at a time into growth and courage and boldness and, and taking action. Like I'm just here to tell you, I don't care how low you feel, God can give you the ability to rise up. Like if Jesus Christ, if we firmly believe that he is risen from the dead, you and I have the ability to rise up from any situation. Like that's just, it changes the game. Because the enemy would say that we're separated from God, that we've, that we've lost, that we're defeated. But I wanna go back four verses in Romans 8 and declare this truth over your life today because I know there are thousands of you that are laying face down, feeling sorry for yourself, depressed, defeated, anxious. It says this, can anything, everyone say anything. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? That's what the enemy wants you to believe that God has forgotten you, that God doesn't love you, that God is no longer concerned with you because you screwed up. You did it again. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we're persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. 37, 
I wanna read that question again and then answer it. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Verse 37, no! Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And after all that, now, read the, how we started. Now that we know overwhelming victory is ours, now I am convinced because I know that nothing can ever separate me from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor our fears of today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Then rise up. And I just want to declare today that, that you will rise up. Not that you can, you will rise up like over the anxiety that tortures you, you will rise up. That you will rise up over depression and being overwhelmed. That you will rise up and fight that disease, maybe in your mind or in your body. That you will rise up and fight defeat. You may not win the race, but you are gonna finish the race. You may not be on the platform getting the medal, but you will be recognized as somebody that finished well done, good and faithful. You will rise up out of that broken relationship. You will rise up out of that constant struggle. You will rise up. Not because of you and me. This is not a self-help. I am not Tony Robbins. We are not gonna clap. I am not making you feel better about you. I'm not trying to change first how you see you. I'm trying to change how you see God. And once you see the resurrection power that is available to you through the presence of God, that's when it changes you. You don't change you by changing how you think about you. You change you by how you think about God and how he thinks about you. Then when you see yourself through the filter of grace and mercy and forgiveness, then you have the power to actually rise up. You will rise up. This will not end in death. This will not end in failure. Rise up. Come on, rise like the day I'll rise up. I'll rise unafraid. I will rise up. In spite of the ache. You will rise up. Today will be the first time. And you'll do it a thousand times again. Because Jesus, resurrection, gives us consistent and infinite power in every single situation. Let me say it, let me close this. His grace did not stop when you got saved. His grace is sufficient throughout every single situation. Let's pray today at all vocations, every head bowed, every eye closed. God, we love you. God, we thank you for the ability to rise up because you are risen. Church, every head bowed, every eye closed in Winter Park, Oviedo, Sanford, South Orlando, or worshiping online. I wanna have a moment right now, just you and God. Here's the picture I saw. When I rolled over and looked up, I, I pictured dozens, if not hundreds of you today, honestly, rolling over, taking your focus off of yourself and your situation and, and looking up. Bible says, do I look to the hills? No, I look to the Lord. That's where my help comes from. You need to look to God. Maybe for the first time ever, accepting Jesus, the perfect son of God, lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death in your place. The cross gave you access to that grace we talked about, to mercy, forgiveness, your very salvation. The, the resurrection power of Jesus is that he was raised to new life, giving us power. That's how we can rise up because of his resurrection. The resurrection gives us access to victory over sin in the grave. 
you're gonna look up today and you're gonna surrender your life to Jesus for the very first time. Others of you, going back to the idea of revival, you need a renewal or a resurrection today. There's something that has tied or something that has died in your life. There's a circumstance or a person or a decision that you made that's got you down and you need to look up. You need to recommit your life. You need to refocus your attention on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If that's you today at all of our locations, you say, Pastor Justin, that's, that's me. I wanna make a decision. I wanna look up. I wanna rise up, so I'm gonna look up and I'm gonna surrender my life to Jesus. For the first time, by recommitting your life today for the first time in a long time, would you raise your hand right where you are and say, I'm gonna look up. Out of my circumstance, out of my failure, out of this, this pain, I'm gonna look up. I'm gonna accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I got one, two, three. Come on, got you two right here. I got this couple, beautiful. Got you right here, man. Several more in the stadium. Got you right there, proud of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Several more in the back. Go on, Sanford. God is moving your eyes to where I'm south of Orlando. Going to Haggerty High School in Oviedo. God's speaking to you. You're looking down. He said, no, look up. Son or daughter, I, I got you. Just a couple more moments. Anybody else? Or maybe you're worshiping online. God sees you. He loves you. It's the best decision you can make to give him control of your life. You put your hands down in all of our auditoriums. Pray this in your hearts. I pray it out loud. Say this. Say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you. I really do. I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge today that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. And I'm confessing with my mouth. And I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord. God, I give you that place. Complete control. Surrender my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. God, I, I pray for every single person today. Holy Spirit, you know the situations. You know the circumstances. I don't. I pray right now, supernaturally, as I pray that you're speaking to hearts and minds. Courage, replacing fear. Come on, some hope. hope replacing the doubt and depression. Some boldness, some faith. Holy Spirit, give some peace. Somebody's waiting on a promise. They're waiting on an answer. Holy Spirit, speak peace to them right now in Jesus' name. God, this week I pray that step by step we would be, begin to rise up that we would look up. That could be our step today. That we would sit up, maybe get some help, some counseling, some rest. And once we get that, that we would stand up and begin to, to take some action and walk out the healing and the restoration that you're doing in our life. And we thank you for your word today. We thank you for dozens of people that are now spending eternity in a different place because they've met Jesus here this morning. We love you. We praise you in this place. Everybody at Action Church said amen and amen. Church, can we celebrate all the decisions? Come on, really celebrate them.